So it needs to be all about him. It can't be all about him and all about you. Right? Somebody's got to take priority and precedence. Amen. I want the Lord to have precedence in my life. Amen. Because he's my heavenly father and he knows what's best. Like that old TV show, Father Knows Best back in the 50s. He really does know best. He is our Heavenly Father, and He loves us. He gave Himself for us. One place in the Bible says we love Him because why? He first loved us and gave Himself for us. Amen. What does that one scripture say? When we were yet sinners in due time, Christ, or something like Christ died for the ungodly. Who's He talking about? That's us. We didn't deserve it. He did it anyway because he loved us. Amen? We're talking about practical religion. James 1, 26 and 27. If any man, y'all ought to have this memorized by now, right? (laughs) If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Fatherless and the widows in their affliction. Who does that mean? Does that, does that cut anybody out in the world? It doesn't, it kind of just, the fatherless and the widows. That could be anybody, right? And so he needs us to be in the world, trying to love the world with his love. But he doesn't need, want us to, don't let the world rub off on you. Don't let the world system, if you want to put it that way. Right? It's the world system. It's the world way of thinking. Some, Most of us used to be like that. But there came a day in our life where we walked away from that. We said, I'm not going to think like that anymore. I'm a, I'm a new creature in Christ. So I'm going to lay aside those things. Right? So we can't win them. We can't lead them to the Lord if we're not out there among them, can we? Right? So, amen. I'll never forget the, the preacher that talked about the Bible studies that he was teaching to the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous group. He was going to one of their houses or something. There was like 23 guys in this Bible study, and they all smoked. And he would go there. He went there for months and months and months teaching these guys. And he said he had to sit on the floor by the coffee table because that was the lowest spot in the house. And there was the least amount of smoke there. He could, he could almost not catch his breath, but he said he wasn't about to pass up the opportunity to teach those guys a Bible study, and so he endured that. And he got fruit out of that. So don't think that the Lord's not going to call you into some situation where it's not going to be about your comfort. Right? you got to be willing to, you know, Jesus went out among them. He went, he walked right up and touched that leper. None of us would do that, would we? I'm not touching that dirty person. 
right? But his compassion was beyond anything we could imagine or think, wasn't it? And that he was he was God, so that kind of made it, I guess you could say, a little easier for him. Because he, he loved that individual. He saw every person as a soul that needed saving, that needed that needed to be just pointed in the right direction, right? I'm thankful that I wasn't prejudged by somebody when I came into to this truth, into, into church, as we call it. I'm thankful that somebody thought enough of me to look beyond all the external stuff that they saw and see a soul that needed to be saved. And they were willing to go out of their way to love me and my wife and, and bring us into this. Amen? So we're, we were talking about last week, we were kind of ending up in James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. So I'm going to kind of pick up from there and then go forward from there. But James chapter 4, 11 and 12 says, Speak not evil one of another. Remember us talking about this? Brethren, that's everybody. It's James talking to the, his fellow believers, the church, in that day, people that he had sat at meet with, people that he knew personally, he knew their kids, and so it was, it was a relationship that they had. He wasn't just this distant leader that nobody knew. He was somebody that everybody knew, and he was being persecuted and put to death for the sake of the gospel, and he was passing on the mantle. He was passing the baton. He was telling them, giving them some advice on how to continue, how to move forward. He was basically saying, going forward, once I'm gone, here's what you need to do. And so he went through all of this stuff that we've talked about. And he kind of reiterates a lot of things. If you read back through the book of James, he kind of repeats stuff in his letter. And so he's wanting to make sure that they understand what what stuff is going to hinder them from doing the work of God and what stuff is going to help them move the, the work of God forward. And so he's going into this in this area here. He says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judges his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. What law is he talking about? What law is he talking about? The Mosaic law. The moral law. Because they're Jews. The only law they understand. Right? And it goes on there and it says, But if thou judge the law... If you pass judgment on the law, if you exercise your own opinion about the law, thou art not a doer of the law. You're not busy doing the law. You're busy judging the law. And there's only one lawgiver. He's reminding them of something they already know. Who's the only lawgiver? God. Who gave them the law? Who gave Moses the law on the mountain? God did. Right? He just gave him the law and he said, here it is, go down to the people and institute this. But he's the lawgiver. We're not. Who is, so there is one lawgiver who is able, and this is how we know it's God, who is able to save and to destroy. Don't be fearful of the one that can destroy your body, but be fearful of the one that can destroy both soul and body in hell. You better be fearful, respectful, reverent of the God who created you. 
And don't be touching his law. It's his law. Who art thou that judgest another? Who? What is he saying here? Who do you think you are, right? Is that what he's saying to you? If we put it in common terms today, who do we think? He's really including himself. Who do we think we are if, we, if we're judging other people? That's not what we were sent here for. Church, that's what he was saying to them. It's not our job to judge the law, to be judges over people. In the sense of coming up with an opinion in your mind and in of what you think about this person or that person or this situation or that situation. That's not our job. Right? Don't speak against one another is what he's saying. Don't defame, blame, condemn, or find fault. We live in a society today that's doing that a lot. So we got to be careful we don't let that spirit creep into the house of God, among the people of God. Do you think they were having a problem with that in that day? The religious Jews were still like that. They were still, especially with this new group called Christians, he, they were really coming down hard on the Christians, you know. Paul, who was one of their own, all they wanted to do after they realized that he had been converted, they wanted to kill him. They every every opportunity they followed him everywhere they that he went, trying to get him killed, because he was de- ups, upsetting their apple cart, their whole process. See, they had religious leaders that would stand as judges over people. They had like a pecking order. There were certain people that weren't even allowed in certain parts of the temple. And so when Jesus came along and with this whole way came along, he did away with all of that. That was what was so weird about this whole thing. They didn't have a temple to go to. They didn't have rules to follow. They just followed Jesus. And did Jesus operate under any rules? Not really. He, he, he always referred to everything he did as being, I'm doing this because my father told me to do it, or I'm saying this because my father told me to say it. Everything he was doing was being directed by the father. But he went outside of the normal religious traditions of that day, of the Jewish traditions. And not to say that those were bad, but a lot of things had crept into the Jewish religion, if you want to call it that, that that had nothing to do with the law. They were kind of making up their own laws as they went along. And so this is what James is saying. Be careful that you don't become self-appointed judges like they are. Because we don't represent that anymore. We Jesus did away with that. He he started a new thing. We got the Spirit of God dwelling in us. That's that's going to be the, the thing wherewith we operate in this. Okay? So we were we were not commissioned to be judges, were we? What were we commissioned to be? What does Acts one and eight say? You shall be witnesses unto me. If you look up that word witnesses, what does it mean? Martyr. That word witnesses there, if you look it up in the Greek, it means martyr. So we've been called to be martyrs? I'm just saying what the Greek said. It's not me. So he's called us. Look at those 12 guys that went on with the gospel from the day of Pentecost. 
That's all they did. They all ended up being martyred, right? For the sake of the gospel. James was in that same boat. So if you think about it, he's asking us, he's called us in Acts 1 and 8 to be martyrs. Do whatever you got to do for the kingdom. If he asks you to do something, do it. Thank you. Right? Shoot and ask questions later. No, that's not what that means. He called us to shed the love of God abroad that's in our hearts. How did it get there? The, the, the love of God's in us because he put it in there. We didn't just go get it. We had to receive that. So he's told us to shed the love abroad of God and abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And that's found in Romans 5.5. 5. What that word shed abroad means is to, to be poured out or scattered like seeds. So we're... We're to take the love of God and shed it abroad. We're just supposed to just cast it like seeds. Just throw it out there. Some people might want it and some people might not. Some people are turned off by it. Is anything different than in the day when this was written? A lot of people were turned off by this back in that day. But a lot of people weren't. So it's to whomsoever will, right? And so they just, they just took it to the, Streets and the cities from house to house, breaking bread and having fellowship. And those that were hungry, they, they spent their time with them. And those that weren't hungry, they just moved on from that. Right? And the Lord added to the church, even with all that going on. The Lord still added to the church. And the church, the Bible says, was multiplied. Right? In one place, one of the, the religious people said, these people are turning the world upside down with this gospel. Are we doing that? Don't answer that. Ask yourself that question. Are we doing that? Are we turning this world upside down? Good question, right? Something to ponder, something to think about. Second Corinthians 2, verse 10 and 11 says this, To whom we, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgave it, For your sakes I forgave it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. We are not ignorant of his devices. Why did I bring that scripture up? Because it's all about forgiving, isn't it? If he looked beyond our faults and saw our need, and if we've received this freely, and it says to freely give it, that means we got to forgive too. We got to look beyond the faults of some people that we're going to, that he's going to put us in contact with and make us deal with. We got to look beyond the stuff that we see on the external and the attitudes and all that. We got to realize this is a soul and I'm going to, I got to take my time. I got to have compassion and love them like Jesus loved them. Right? The woman that was caught in the act of adultery. He never said she wasn't guilty. Because at the end of that whole story, what does he tell her? Go thou and do this sin no more. But he, but he also asked the question, where are thine accusers? And she's looking around and going, they're, they're gone. He said, neither do I condemn you. What a great example. He was, that was a teachable moment right there for the disciples. He wasn't condemning her in her sin. He was loving her. 
And we need to ask God for wisdom to know and when we, cause you're going to get in those situations where you're going to deal with a divorcee. You're going to deal with somebody that's been in all kinds of mess in this world. Just take your pick. What are we going to do when we get in that situation? Are we going to judge? Cause that's the tendency. But we don't operate in the flesh in this. We operate in the spirit. We need to begin to ask God, what, how do you want me to proceed here? What do you want me to say? There's nothing wrong with that. What would you have me to say, Lord? What would you have me to do? Sometimes it's just to sit there and listen. Just let them talk. And while you're listening to them, you can also listen to the Lord. You can do that. And he'll lead you. He'll tell you what to say. He said, don't worry about what you're going to say in that moment. I'll give you what to say. How many of us really believe that? We really have to believe that. He'll give you what to say. And that kind of goes back to hiding the word in our heart. Right? Because if it, if you got it in here, when he needs to pull it out and use it through you, it'll be there. Because you've already filled up your tank full of it. You gotta have something, you gotta have money in the bank to get money out of the bank, right? You have to keep making deposits so you can't just start writing checks on an empty account. <laughs> There's a name for that. Stealing is one of the names, but it's not yours. You can't just write a check on an empty account. So we got to keep our accounts full. That was for free. But the, the main emphasis of this is lest Satan should get an advantage of us. How would Satan get an advantage of us? If we're busy judging, if we're busy doing contrary to what the Word of God says, if we're making ourselves judge, jury, and executioner in situations, are we not becoming a tool of the enemy, in a sense. And so we're just giving him a, an avenue. We're just giving him a, a door to come on in, be a part of this process. We don't want to do that. Do we? No. So because it says there that we are not ignorant of his devices. Don't give the enemy an opportunity or an advantage to plant the spirit of division in our hearts and by extension in the body. Because like I said last week, he would like nothing better than to get in among us and get us fighting among each other. And then he can just sit back and take a coffee break and watch us destroy ourselves from within. Or anybody else that comes in among us. we got to be careful. Because people are going to come in among us that aren't going to fully understand what we do every day. And they're not going to understand it for a while. It took me like almost two years. Really, Brother DeMute? That long? Really? I mean, we were going to church and we were in church, but it really was at kind of the two-year mark where it all kind of just started gelling. And, it, and, it, and I really came to the place where I said, okay, I'm not playing around anymore. I'm doing this. This is this is how I choose to live, as the song says. I choose. I'm. I'm not. I'm not going back and forth anymore. I'm. I'm taking my. I'm putting my stakes down, and I'm saying I'm going forward, not going backwards, not looking back at that stuff anymore. Did anybody rush me or hurry me or or try to shove me along in that process? Never, never. Because what if they'd have done that? They might have just pushed me right out the door. And whoever that was had enough wisdom to know to just let God work. Right? 
Just keep loving people. And let God, watch God, just watch God work. Not only let him, but you just watch what God does. Because when it's, when it's God, it's all God, it's beautiful. And you just stand back and go, wow. As if like, that's pretty amazing. Like, I never thought he could do that or something. (laughs) He's able to do exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or think. But it's all him. They're his souls, the Bible says. Every soul belongs to him. They don't belong to us. But they do belong to us in the sense that we are they are a part of the same body we're a part of. And what did Jesus talk about when he said talked about the body? All the every part of the body is important. The toe is as important as the toenail. Right? You don't think your eyebrows are important? They're there for a reason. I don't know what it is, but but every part's important. Right? It's there. If God didn't if God put it there, it had to have a reason for being there. Even though it's minuscule to you and you never notice it. Those persons, those people in the part of the body are just as important as anybody else in the body. And we we live the body is connected together, isn't it? Praise God. Satan's devices and his purposes and designs on mankind is to get us to do things contrary to the perfect divine will and plan of God. Is that true? That's his, that's his purpose is to upset what God has put in, in motion. Because from the very day, what, what was the thing that, that got Satan kicked out of heaven? If you go to the, I think it's in, Ezekiel 28 or 29, it says iniquity was found in him. So what is iniquity? Iniquity is, I want to, what did he say? I want to be like God. I'm, I'm tired of God making all the decisions. He put his little hand on his hip like this. I want to be the one making the decisions. Isn't that what he said? Didn't he try to usurp God's authority by saying, I want to, I want to have my way. I don't want to have God's way. Right? You go there and I think it's in Ezekiel 28 or somewhere in there. That was perfect in thy ways. Thank you, man. I got this awesome person in the booth. <laughs> was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. Who's that talking about? Satan. Lucifer was what he was called. Till iniquity was found in thee. And he wasn't satisfied with just being taken it all by himself. He had to take some of them with him. So we got to be careful. What Jesus, I, I'm going to keep going back to this, I guess. What did Jesus say when he was up on that mountain praying? Nevertheless, not my will. Who's, who was that talking? That was flesh Jesus talking. Not my will, Father, but your will be done. Or in one other place it says, not as I will, as you will. And if that's good enough for Jesus, that's got to be good enough for us. It's not about what you want. It's not about what makes you feel good. It's not about... 
It's not about you being in control or in charge of your life. You know, people that say, I'm in control of my own destiny. <laughs> I'm like, step back. <laughs> like things about to hit. <laughs> no, you're not. I I heard this one preacher say this, and it just blew me away. He said, in the end, our life is going to be like a map that they lay out on a table. All the paths that we took and all the things that we did, and then God's going to take his plan for our life and lay it on top of that. You know how they do that in mapping and stuff, right? Is what we did going to match what his destiny was for us? Think about that. That'll melt your brain. Am I, am I walking in the destiny he's chosen for me? Am I following the same? If he overlaid it right now, if he, if I could get him to do that and I could see I'm going the wrong way, would I turn and go the right way? Right? I don't know about you, but I just want to do what he called me to do. I didn't forsake this world and all that stuff that I thought I was enjoying to, to get up, become a part of something to just sit around. It's not what he called us for. Right? He called out the story of the, of all the laborers that went into that field that day. The ones were called 11 hours ahead of the rest and the last guy got as much as the first guy. Cause it's not about where, where you came into the picture. It's about getting the harvest. Labors. What did Jesus say? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he send forth labors into his harvest. Are we praying that? Are we praying that? Are, are we praying prayers that are all about help me do this and fix this and kind of, are our prayers kingdom prayers or are they just all about me? It's like, Kind of looking in your wallet and your checkbook to see where your, you know, your checkbook will tell where your priorities are, right? It will. It will. <laughs> I had to meet one church district board where they wanted to see your checkbook. Yeah. They wanted to make sure that you had all your, your, your priorities straight. Cause where the abundance of the heart is, right? That's where your checkbook goes. Not what the Bible says, but it makes sense, right? So where you're writing checks is kind of an indicator of where your heart is, right? And so, you know, we are part of God's kingdom. James 4.13, uh, no, I jumped way ahead of myself. So we're not supposed to judge and we're, we're supposed to, to love, right? So I thought I'd read the chapter on love in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, just a, a noisemaker. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and Though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow my all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, all that self-sacrifice profits me nothing. Charity 
suffereth long, and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. James was just talking about to speak or think no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity. We just talked about iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. So what is this word charity we're talking about here? Well, it's that same word we were talking about last week, agape. Right? And so that word agape, or that word charity in that scripture, it means this. It means love, affectionate regard, goodwill, benevolence. With reference to God's love, it's God's willful direction toward man. It involves God doing what he knows is best for man and not necessarily what man desires. For example, John 3.16 states, For God so loved, so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? Not what man wanted, but what God knew man needed, i.e. his son to bring forgiveness to man. So it's a God love. It's an unconditional. It's the only love type of love in the Bible that has no conditions associated with it. Phileos love is brotherly love, and it's there's conditional. you got to be a brother, right? There's a condition there for, for one example. Eros, there's... there's there's conditions involved in all the other. If you study the other kind, the other Greek words for love in the Bible, this is the only one that has no conditions, and that's why it's the only one that references God's love because His love is unconditional. And if we're supposed to shed the love of God in our hearts, right, by the Holy Ghost, then we have to have the same unconditional love, compassion, and and all those things that Jesus had for the lost souls in His day that that he had we got to exercise it just like he did and paul said what did he say follow me as what as i follow christ are we doing that that's what james is asking the church don't forget don't forget where you came from right don't forget your roots don't forget that you were once dead in trespass and sin don't forget that you were the one one day that was hewn out of the that was pulled out of the ditch, right? Don't forget that. And what was the second great commandment that we talked about last week? The first one was what? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? What was the second great commandment? Agape your neighbor as you agape yourself. Do we love ourselves unconditionally? Do we? Of course we do. No man hates his own body, right? We don't hate ourselves. We don't look in the mirror in the morning and go, you're an idiot. Man, that is the ugliest face I ever saw in my life. What happened to you last night? You know, we don't say stuff like that. We love ourselves, right? I just kind of said, I, I know we don't think like that, but, right? But if we love ourselves enough to, and you know, we give ourselves a lot of leeway, don't we? Uh, it's okay. It's you. 
You'll be all right. Right? So we need to have that same compassion and love and mercy towards somebody else. What did James say? He will, God will have no mercy on the ones who don't show mercy. Right? Uh, and if that's the gauge, I don't want to be the one not showing mercy to somebody. I want to have mercy. I want to ex- extend that. You know, Jesus, he forgave us unconditionally. He loved us. He had compassion for us unconditionally. He saved us in spite of ourselves. And that's my prayer every day that even in my workplace, even with the waitress at the restaurant, I want to extend that same spirit and attitude of forgiveness toward that individual who's going to make a mistake and bring me the wrong food or whatever. I want to have that same love and compassion and forgiveness toward them that he had toward me. Because we don't know what's going on in their life. We don't know if they got a death in the family or something happened and they... You know, they just went through a divorce. We don't know what's going on in their life. And we might be the one glint of light that they see all day long. And the last thing we want to do is get an attitude and say, well, that's not what I ordered. And, you know, just get all get an attitude about it. You just ruined your witness. Right. Have some love and compassion. So you've walked in somebody else's shoes, as they say. Right? Wow. Something wrong with that clock. It's going. <laughs> and James even talked about this, this commandment in James, in verse 8 in, of chapter 2. And he says, if you fulfill the royal law according to scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself. You do well. You do well. And as I've already said, there's only one judge and we're not him. We were called to love. We were called to freely receive. We received it. We need to pass it on. What James is telling the church, you're, you're, you're the only thing standing between the souls of men being found in Jesus and being lost for eternity. You are the representatives of Jesus Christ. Of this gospel. You are the ones that have the Holy Ghost. You are the ones that have the love of Jesus Christ in you. Don't keep it to yourself. You know, they, they might have dressed different and they might have had different jobs in that day, but they were still souls of people who had concerns and families and all these things going on in their life. And we are the, we are, we are the witness. Acts 1 and 8, he, he called us to be witnesses. He commissioned us to go. Right? Hallelujah. Moving on to James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. I'm going to try to finish up this chapter. This morning, go to now, ye that say, and he's really kind of dovetailing this on top of what he just said. Don't be a judge. Don't judge each other. Don't judge one another. Love one another. Be the representatives of Jesus Christ. He's saying, go to now, and ye that say, tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be, what shall be on tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and 
then vanisheth away. Anybody ever iron clothes before? You got that little button on there that put, pushes out that little poof of steam? That's what your life's like. It's gone. Go, go try to find that. It's gone. That's what he says your life is like. To us, it doesn't seem like that, but it's a vapor. In God's eyes, it's just we're here and gone, man. Just like that. So, wow. For you ought to say, this is what you ought to say, the Lord will, if the Lord will, if the Lord will, if the Lord will, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Right? So to God, our life is a vapor. So we got to, if our, if to him, our life's a vapor. To him, if, if one day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day, then, then to God, we're just here for a brief moment. So we got to make the best of the situation that we've been left in. He, he didn't just save us and then go, what am I going to do with him now? Anybody, you know, it's not what he did. He had a plan. He knows what he has intended for us to do. Are we trying to find that out? I mean, he's not going to come knock us on the head with a two by four and say, here's what I want you to do. He, you have to have a desire. You gotta to wanna to know the will of God. Demas walked away from who knows what God had intended for him. Bible says that having loved this present world, he missed out. I don't want to miss out. There's somebody out there you gotta reach. I'm gonna point at everybody. I can't reach them. Only you can, cause you're there every day. In that workplace or wherever you go and whatever business you do and you're the one that sees them at the counter at the grocery store every time you go there. You're the one. I don't go to that grocery store, but you do. Right? We don't even know what holds tomorrow, he's telling us. Here we are, what James is saying to the church, I don't want to point this at you all, so James is telling the church, don't get yourself caught in the trap of being a judge, jury, and executioner when you don't even know what tomorrow holds. You're you're making all these plans in your life, but you don't even know if you're even going to be here tomorrow. (laughs) My boss has this policy. He doesn't like one-trick ponies. Anybody ever heard that? A one-trick pony is like, for example, I'm the only phone guy there. Well, he's making sure that I train some of the other guys on some of the stuff I do because, look, what if I get hit by a bus or run over by a dump truck? Right? What if I'm not suddenly not there anymore in the natural? He wants to make sure somebody else can step up and do what I've been doing. So he's not left with nobody to do it. Right? And so it's kind of the same thing. Right? We don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know if you're going to get run over by a bus. So you got, you better make the best of the day God gave you. And you better ask God, I better. I better get up every morning and ask God, what is it you would have me to do today? I, You know, 
it's there's nothing wrong with having plans. I have little things in my mind every day that I kind of want to get stuff done, but I need to be willing to just lay all that aside if God's got something else for me to do. There'll be another day for that if the Lord wills and I get to live another day. But if I would, if I want to push my agenda and push his agenda to the side, have I just missed an opportunity to love a soul and to win a soul? Right? And he said, <laughs> what did he say? All such boasting is what? Evil. What's the boasting about? <laughs> the boasting's all about me and my schedule. Right? It's all about me. Right? That's what the boast, that's what he's talking about. All such boastings about what you're going to do and where you're going to go and all your plans that you got and, you know, all this is all the stuff I'm going to do. And I'm, as I'm saying, there's nothing wrong with having plans. I got a retirement plan. I mean, I'm not saying we shouldn't have those things, but in reality, it's all about the will of God, isn't it? Because what did he say in John 15 and 5? He's the what? The vine. He's the true vine, right? And we're just what? Branches. The branch doesn't tell the vine what to do. The branch depends on the vine to feed the branch. Because he says in that scripture, for without me, he loves word pictures, doesn't he? Go out there and cut a branch off that. I know, Richard, you'd love to cut all the branches off that one tree out there. But you cut one of those branches off that tree out there and just lay it next to the tree and you see how long it's going to live. Well, it's next to the tree. It's not connected to it. It's going to die. It's going to turn brown and die. Get all dried up and we're going to cut it up and make firewood out of it. That's what he said about us. If we're not connected to the vine, we're just going to be cut and thrown to the side and used for firewood. Right? I don't want to be used for firewood. Do you? We gotta submit ourselves. We gotta submit ourselves. That's what, you know, talking about fighting the devil when, when that scripture says, what's the first thing it says? Submit yourself therefore unto God. That's the first step. If you get that step done, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. The first part of that is submit yourself. That's the hardest part for us to do. Seems like, isn't it? But we did it when we came to this, to an altar somewhere and received the Holy Ghost. We submitted ourselves. So just go back and do that. Again and again and again. Every day. Right? Jesus, take the wheel. I'm not in charge, God. Whatever you say to do, I'll do it. If I don't get to take a vacation for three years, that's your business, not mine. Right? Praise God. We're going to pick up with James chapter 5 next time. Father, thank you for this opportunity to be among your people, Lord. And I, I hope and pray that something I've said has been an encouragement to somebody in this room. Lord Jesus, I believe that it was from you. Father, I pray that you would, as we go from this time together, that as we come back in a few minutes, that you would allow this man of God to minister a great and mighty word to us and that we would be ready and willing to receive what you, what thus saith the Lord through this pastor and this man of God today. In all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. I mean, you're...